In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witness. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. Everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. They're going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Guys, welcome back to the Island Sons podcast. I am Blaine. And I'm Sam. This episode was born because sometimes when we have podcast planning meetings, Alan will look at me and say, so that seems like another serious one. (laughs) When are you going to do one that's not serious? And I'm like, you and M should share notes with each other about how to talk to me. Oh, man. Because it goes the same? No. Fortunately, M's appetite for, like, serious conversation is basically insatiable. Mm. Have you ever heard Kevin Kelly's podcast, Cool Tools? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know who that is, but I'm sure he's a very popular and successful person. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Kevin Kelly is the founder of Wired Magazine, and he rolls with the people who are deciding the future for everyone. Mm. We could pivot on to Elon Musk at this point. or This sounds like another heavy, serious podcast so far to me. No, it's not. Cool Tools is awesome because he it's like wire cutter, but for regular people, and what they do in the podcast is he'll have a conversation with a someone and just talk about either their everyday carry or the objects that f- that are the core element of their life. Like what, not what things are most important to you, which tends to be different than what are the things that you could not live without or what are the things without which your life would actually change. Interesting that those are different things. Mm. But I thought... I'm grunting a lot so far this episode. And it sounds good. Okay, good. Sounds real good. Good, perfect. There could be an interesting Anson's take on that in terms of stuff, things that we carry, things that we value versus things that are most important. I don't exactly know where this will go, except that I really like podcasts where at the end, I feel like I have permission to go buy some things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are always good. It feels good. Yeah. Because nothing like a box showing up in the mail to like, it's like a mini birthday for you, right? It's just a, just a little bit of crack. Tiny, but you're tiny not addicted. <clears throat> little endorphin hit. The worst, but also <sighs> so good. <laughs> Curiosity. <laughs> yeah, 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 go on now. What are you going to do uh, after that no, one? No, nothing. <laughs> what is the most important thing to your daily life that you have on your person right now? Um, my Garmin watch. Oh, you're wearing the same one. Twibs. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this one is several years old. This is actually my third one because by some stroke of luck or favor from Jesus, um, mine keep breaking right before the warranty. Oh, So, dude. like, I'll go for a swim and I'll come out and the screen will just be all sorts of pixels of different colors and I'll write them and a new one arrives in a box and this one goes back and my warranty starts anew. It's 
really great. I, I'm worried I've now like exited that by talking about it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's something about the watch that the Garmin 735 XT. Yeah, that's what you're wearing. Yes, and we picked that one way back in the day um, because we began noticing that a, this little app called Strava was actually app. Um, helpful in keeping track of the workouts we did and challenging each other. If we were to take just the nicest thing on your person right now, yeah, which, no offense to what you're wearing, but it's not a huge contest. <laughs> And it's triathlon watch. A person, it's not my fault I can't find the matching sock to, to either could, one that I'm wearing. A person could rightly conclude that triathlon were important to you. But I think that if a person were to see your garage, though you have a really good bike. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah, and it's more just, I might even take off a really, it's like a good bike. Wow. And it actually is a <laughs> okay, good. Okay, this started with a compliment and now it's just getting mean. No, it's not. I'm not trying to be mean. <laughs> I'm trying to clarify. I'm trying to use terms. In a specific way. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. Yes, because there's no chance of offense. But they wouldn't. Now you can't be offended by anything I say because I mean what I say. Okay. And that is. helps. <laughs> <laughs> so far, so good. What? If someone were to look in your garage. Yeah. What do you think they would conclude mattered to you? Um, I would guess that they might think that I use my tool bench more than I do because we invested in some organization for it. Um, I don't know why I have three flathead screwdrivers, um, but I do. And everything needs a Phillips head, so they don't get used that much. Um, I have five bikes on the wall, so they might conclude biking, um, and they'd be accurate in that, but... You know, one of them's dads, and it's like a hey. hundred years old, and doesn't have brakes or pedals or a or seat. A seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of them's for a toddler, so you know that one hardly counts. But so we're down to three. It is on the wall, and then there's my two Craigslist road bikes and my mountain bike. And so both your Craigslist road bikes are Cannondale, though. Yeah, and if you add them up, they still don't cost as much as a decent new bike. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would agree. I was thinking of your garage, and I was thinking of how you have a few sweet Makita power tools. Uh-huh. Thanks, and Dad. You have a circular... Do you have a circular saw? Yeah. Sort of an extended borrowing from Dad <laughs> on that one. Have to have to <laughs> uh, hope he doesn't listen to this episode. Yeah. I think we're safe. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the hypothesis that I'm intrigued in. Yeah. Some of the territory that I, that I do want to get a little bit into is a slightly more robust theory of stuff yeah, yeah. or strategy of stuff. But I... the Really a, a window into the wild at heart slash eldridge way of valuing certain things. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, okay. Because I think that you could roll in... I, before thinking about this episode... Wow. My assumptions about stuff, and I discovered them by thinking about this episode, <laughs> were that you could roll into a person's house... And figure out by finding the nicest things what matter. Mm-hmm. And that seems to work some where yeah. a few nice guitars, you know, bury our sound guy. But I'm actually thinking of Tim and Lowe right now. Mm. And if you went and saw the collection of instruments, you, you would rightly conclude that music was a very important part of their story. Right. I think what's really intriguing to me is how... Uh, much more complicated and contradictory the story normally is and how 
and sort of the random distribution of things, the lack of strategy in general that most people have, myself included. Like, oh, Lord, yeah, right. I'm now thinking it back to um, when Susan and I were getting married, Morgan and Cherry did our premarital, which was great and also feels like 100,000 years ago. And I remember Morgan said to me, he pulled me aside once, and he's like, Sam, I'm going to give you like, this all boils down to money is never about money and sex is never about sex. And I did him with like sort of dazed and confused <laughs> written all over my face. And they're like, okay, I think I understand what you mean. No, it's the simplicity on the far side of complexity. It cannot be understood <laughs> until you've <laughs> worked you through actually, the complexity. Yeah. yeah. But that's now what I experienced when I walk into a home. Like you're you're the what goes on the walls, what the value is, the things that cost money or that don't cost money. Like there's actually a story behind a, most things in a home and most things if you're willing to do a little bit of digging. So I've got I've got a couple of different rabbit shells I could go on that, but I want I don't want to derail you just yet. I kind of want to be derailed, right? There is a story for everything that's there, though sometimes the story is pretty weird or random or uh in my case, simply unevaluated where I've had the most fascinating thing happen this year as we've been doing some, like, sorting of the kids' clothes because my 10-month-old, is that how old he is? He's growing like, <laughs> he's growing like crazy, so... No, no, no. It sounds like you're turning into a cliche dad <laughs> like the rest of us. Uh, when's your birthday again? When is it? His birthday's in May, okay? Oh, and it makes perfect. Him, yes. It's... Yeah, 10 bucks. Uh, okay. I just it. write their age on their forehead in a marker. And it's helpful. <laughs> and a name tag. And <laughs> it's just like, you know. You, four. I mean, uh, what's your name again? What they like and dislike to eat. Mm-hmm. And that makes life Very easier. Convenient, yeah. No, it's been so intriguing. So, you know how when you have a bunch of kids, you're constantly no. cycling. You, when you have any kids. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> you are constantly cycling the clothing bins. At least this is our case where there's yeah, like. It seems to be. There's like. Three or four families uh, who all have young kids, and we have this massive rotation going on of thank you, Julie. This, like the the zero to three month clothes, the mm-hmm. three to six, et cetera, et cetera. So basically, things roll down from Mount Boulder <laughs> to us here in the Springs, and then we just sort of pass around the scraps. Wow, it's kind of a mythopoeic vision of how where this kid stuff comes from. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that's a, hmm. but as we've been. Clearing out kid stuff. This fascinating things happen. Where yeah. We've you know we bump into other things in the garage. Mm. Been having this surprisingly binary response to most of the things that are in my house, or which is either okay. Could you rephrase that um, in a way that I can understand? You have a surprisingly mm, polarized. Okay, that's good. Where either go okay acceptance, I like owning this thing, or this intense experience of aggravation and revulsion with a lot of the stuff that I just have around. Yeah, right. And what it is in my case so far is, if you follow this episode, you know that about the productive disruption of 2020 and Jesus challenging the story that I was telling myself. And one of the things Jesus exposed was that uh, my solution in response to pressure was not only, is not only like find and do the right thing, but is also a kind of self-erasure, like hide to be safe, Mm. which has meant my 
preferences have not asserted themselves very forcefully in most cases as we've just slowly acquired functional stuff, the stuff that a family needs. Uh, and a lot of stuff a family does not need, and I just don't know how that happens. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're giving me nervous, crazy eyes. It's okay. Our wives won't listen to this. Uh, no, there's actually like a poverty piece to that. Like if you're not sure that there's going to ever be enough, you just end up trying to get whatever it is you can have, even if you already own a crock pot. Hashtag and, my garage. Hashtag my... Um, no one related to me. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> no one related to you. Can I get, can I fill in the name? Nope. Can I? Okay. It's no one who's related to you. Perfect. Keep going. Which is Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's uh, it. But all of a sudden, actually, as man, there's just a deep gravity well, and I can't help but go down it. I'm trying to give you recommendations of things that I think matter or a strategy of stuff, but what we're going to talk about first is. Oh, wow. As Jesus has been like, uh, it's actually in your uniqueness, in your eccentricity, mm. that I want to show my heart to your wife and family. Right. It's your self that I want to engage the dynamic process that is being in a marriage. And as that's happened, there's been kind of like stoking of what is this? And I realized, oh, that's what's going on that most of the time I would be bothered by many of the things that I, because I would be, you know, I would err on the side of if it works, it's good. Right. But you end up with a lot of objectively lame and, or poorly constructed things if that's your strategy. Mm -hmm. And this year it's been working a little less as I've been encountering stuff that I literally pulled out of dumpsters or picked up from the side of the road and go like... It's our coffee table. What? Yeah, it is your coffee table. <laughs> it's my desk. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's amazing what people just throw away. <laughs> I know. Uh, Did you believe it? <laughs> uh, <sighs> but have this like, oh my gosh, I am responding so strongly to these things right now. Right. And it's either pass or if it's a fail and going, well, how did this get here? What, <laughs> what happened that I ended up surrounded by so many things that I don't like to look at or handle. What's really interesting is that the world around us, our home, our things, are deeply entwined with identity and value. And even if we think that somehow we've circumnavigated the, the cultural current of just buying the latest fashion or the newest television or staying current. Uh, if, if you're that kind of a person, you actually still have identity and value and the story of yourself and the father wrapped up in it. And if you are the kind of person who does get the latest and stays up to date and refreshes your paint, I mean, we're in the middle of a kitchen renovation right now. So like we are updating everything. We're spending money on appliances and, and going, if that's your story, it still has all of these tendrils to worth and identity and your story and the father. So we're like, none of us are free from that. Yes. If you think that you are, you're just too close to the tree to see that there's a forest. So try and get just an inch or two away and use your peripheral vision for a minute. Oh, to repeat the concept that you just laid out, which is huge, is that stuff is a story. Mm -hmm. I think that most of the time when people talk about 
stuff, they pretend or they act like it has one nature. It's one kind of thing. It plays one role. And that's just BS. It does not work that way. It's the same as going, you know, money is blank. And to go, uh, I'm going to sound really dumb right now because I'd be like, well, that's tr- money is a blank signifier. But it's like <laughs> money, money is empty. And you're like, money is the root of all evil. You're like, well, all you said is blah, 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 blah. Mm. Uh, and to go, <laughs> money is a story because it's totally empty of meaning. And what it means is determined between people and inside communities, but the actual thing itself, currency. No. Yes. Yes. Okay. But and you're getting, you're leaving the, the atmosphere a little bit. I'm coming back into going, yes. the same thing is true of stuff. Right. You can sort of tell a story on these lines. Right now, God is inviting me to do blank. So I am blank. And in that season, stuff is blank. Wow. You feel it? There's a lot of, yeah. Isn't it? But you have mostly to. Mostly blank in this you, point. I is mostly blank and you have to populate those characters. Yeah. And so let me give two two versions. I have a very old hunting bow that I inherited from dad several bows ago. So it's not even the most recent hand-me-down. It is a 2007 hand-me-down. That's when I got it. Right. And I think, you know, dad got it like 2002, 2003. So this is almost a 20-year-old bow. And it works. Right. And this, And where I am, which is not the only story that you can tell about this bow, is that I am developing skills with a tool that is not irreplaceable to get to the point where I'm a pretty competent hunter, at which point I think that I will invest in a nicer bow. But I could take this story to a 18-year-old who just bought his dream Matthews, like Vertex suite, and shame that 18-year-old but we don't have the same story at all because that 18-year-old might actually need to be learning the abundance of God, the mm-hmm. lavishness of his father, and go, I wanted to learn to hunt. I could have hunted with anything. But where God led me was something that I'm a little embarrassed to take to the range because it's so obvious that I didn't earn it. And to go, that is a fantastic story. Because if my story turns me into a self-righteous a-hole, it will have been a bad story. It's kind of a fun, like, thought experiment. It's not, like, maintainable. But when you're driving around in an afternoon and you're, I don't know, not dealing with conflict in the car or thinking about a phone call you have to make, look around you at the vehicles that everybody else is driving and just begin asking yourself a little bit of that question of like, what's the story? Why that? Why am I driving what I'm driving? Why are they driving what they're driving? What does it say about them? And what might the story be underneath? Because you'd be driving along and, you know, there goes a Beamer, there goes a beat up minivan, there goes a super restored old Ford, here goes something else. And you just start like looking going, like we're all telling and living out these stories. And some of them are poverty. Some of them are uh, posing. Some of them are fear. 
And uh, I've got people that I know friends that make decisions for cars based on like the most safe model. Um, and I told them like, oh, you know, there's actually only one way out of this life, right? At which point they retorted that they're not going to start driving around a motorcycle without a helmet on. Uh, just, it's really kind of interesting to to use that as like a little window into their world. And I actually also experience that now when I walk in someone's home. So back to that. If you walked into my home, um, you actually wouldn't see pictures of the people that lived in that home on the wall. We just haven't become that kind of a family yet. There would be no inspirational quotes. Um, there's not actually a lot of living plants. I've been working on this. Like you see cactus and they're kind of withering away and you sort of wonder like what these people do with their time. Um, we're maybe, learning. Maybe if you didn't mount your cactus on the wall, it would be <laughs> it turns easier out to water. You shouldn't use a cactus as a doorstop. Uh, but you would see a lot of odd collected like pieces. And that's something that if you began piecing together, you'd realize that Susie and I have really valued travel over sometimes um, apparently watering our plants, it turns out. Um, They're not so, compatible. Actually. I don't know why. Uh, I guess if you're on the road. And so we have these like pieces. We have um, every time we've gone on a trip back when people used to do that and we could afford it, you know, before lots of kids. Uh, we're still going to be doing that. and have lots of kids. Um, we don't. We just have a couple. That's what's on our walls. That's what you like. You walk into our home and the value that we like to portray is, hey, we don't have a ton of nice things and that's because we choose to travel or adventure or climb mountains. And you can see that there's like passion and defense wrapped up in that sentence, right? Like if you're listening, you hear immediately the, hey, I want you to see this. And like, that. this is why the house doesn't look the way that you think it might look or should look. And also you should feel bad for making us feel bad that we don't have those things because what we really care about is this. And it's like, oh, okay, easy, easy. Oh, man. And if I were to open up my budget for you, which I won't do, um, you'd see that we actually have a, a larger percentage of what, I make in a month going towards food. And that's been part of our journey as a family, um, partly because of the full-blown rash that our daughter experienced, partly because of the journey we've just taken uh, individually, Susie and I, where we've landed at this place of really seeing food as medicine and seeing that the way that the amount of money that food costs these days in many stores isn't the actual cost of that food and that we actually need to be working harder and paying more, which this is not always an easy thing to be getting, to really be like voting with our money, oh. to, be, to be throwing our, like putting a value behind the thing that we think um, food used to cost a lot more of, a, of your percentage of your income than Gross, it does you these millennial days. millennial weirdo. <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, Anthony Bourdain actually once, while traveling through, uh, I think it was Vietnam, was really irritated that he had to admit that millennials will probably save things like pho and street cart vendors because we'd be willing to spend more than 50 cents for these things that are like really amazing, but only cost 50 cents right now because we'd come in and be like, that's a $10 noodle bowl. Come on, man. I'm willing to spend it because... I know that that's actually what it costs. I'm circling around in summary, too. There is no absolute story about stuff. But every culture, and it will change, 
will tell you an absolute story about stuff. And our culture's story is the, you start from the bottom, you fight for what you have. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You work hard. Yep. You get the thing. You deserve the things you have. It's uh, an interesting aside. In London, circa 1600, people would buy dye to turn their teeth black. And the reason they would buy the dye to turn their teeth black is because people liked sugar on food. And if you eat sugar, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, without dental care, your teeth will slowly turn black. So it was a sign of wealth. And so they didn't want to make it seem like their lives were hard. They wanted to make it seem like their lives were easy. Mm, mm. And thus, (laughs) go ahead, jump in. Oh, I was going to say, that's like, I was having a conversation about this and beauty the other day. But if you like actually trace what we see as beauty in culture, it actually it points towards leisure and wealth. Where you go to cultures, what uh, back in the Renaissance, like a beautiful woman was a woman that was voluptuous and had a, a lot like an abundance of her, because that pointed to there's an abundance of food and care, and she doesn't have to work hard. And then you fast forward to these days, and in the United States, it's the athletic and tanned body the the one that can spend a lot of time working on itself and go on these and spend a lot of time outside and rest whereas in the east the fair skin is still really considered beautiful it's because you don't have to work the fields you're not actually getting tanned because you don't you're able to be in leisure indoors and that's what that's what beauty is oh it's wild that people stain their teeth black, though. That's crazy. Kind of crazy. The story we're telling about stuff is this start from the bottom, deserve it story. They go, this story is BS. And there may be redeemable portions of this story. Uh, likewise, there are handrails that can help you in the direction of maturity as, the, as it relates to stuff that may or m- may not be helpful depending on what you do with them, right? Where like a crutch is good unless you, if you use it as a tool to learn to walk. But if you use it to learn to walk with a crutch, it's bad. And so there's a kind of thing of like, I don't know, there is in the Christian circles that I'm exposed to uh, an ethic of frugality, which... Uh, can be helpful. Uh, and it can help, you know, younger people ask their parents, well, what does matter if you're choosing to not blank? But it is incredibly misleading if you never realize that it is a response to a God who is fundamentally lavish and generous, preposterously so, who is very invested in things being nice and wonderful and over the top. So how do you feel about prosperity gospels, Blaine? Uh, I don't like the flip side either of like, do the right thing and God benefits you. I think there's like uh, an ascetic gospel on the flip side, which intimates, it it hints, it's tacit in the worldview, God is not really thinking very much about what you do. But as you develop virtue, you'll discover that pleasure is wrong, wealth is wrong, enjoying things is wrong, and you'll end up in a pretty cerebral existence that will link you to the original Christian heretics. Mm, nice. So the admonition, which I do want to lead to some questions here in our last 
minute. Ten minutes. Because <laughs> uh, uh, we promise this is going to be a light one. Is to go, you won't be able to make sense of the things that you own or have a coherent relationship with them until you understand a little bit more of the story that you are in right now. And then until you understand these stories that your things represent, and those may be different. Totally. In that, by way of example, uh, I think it's, it would be interesting to go, what are three to five of the things that actually matter to you because of the story that you are living in? Yeah. I, ugh. because of the story that I'm living in, um, I think of a friend of mine who is a carpenter and a mentor of his one day told him as he was offloading a lot of the gear, like he went out and bought every tool he could possibly need to work on a home and was needing to sell a bunch of them. A mentor of his said, like, 20% of your gear will do 80% of the things that you have to do. You're, like a lot of the rest of that gear is just for specialty tasks. So really in, in a smaller area, have the things that are quality that you'll use a lot and they'll take you most of the way. So my the first thing that comes to mind are like my hunting boots. Like mm -hmm. I, I have a really good pair of hiking boots that mm, I've had for several years. I don't use them that often because I mostly go through pairs of um, Chuck All-Stars like once every year and a half. I burn through a new pair of those. And they're my everydays versus these hiking boots that I want to be quality, take care of my feet, take care of my ankles, and perform well. Like I was, I'm wearing a hand-me-down everything else when I go hunting. I don't think I actually bought any of the rest of my hunting gear personally, except for maybe the gloves, because it's all expensive, man. I don't know. It just is. Um, similarly, the first thing I really cared about upgrading for the road bike triathlon world was my biking helmet. I used to think helmets were super lame and the and Thea's dad across the street growing up would just yell at us if we weren't wearing our helmets. And he was just felt like the lamest dude ever to like karate chopped my door down one day. All true stuff. But having bought a road bike affordably and inherited some gear affordably from other people who were just I was just starting out, um, getting a really good and cool, I thought, helmet was a high value for me because it was, again, like a piece that's taking, letting me do this activity and taking care of something that I value. Um, our chef's knife that we own, Susie hated that I put it on our registry, but we live in the kitchen and we've gotten by with mismatched ceramic ware, um, plates that we got from the ARC thrift store. It's what we still currently use silverware, flatware from our registry. But this chef's knife has actually become our most used thing because we just asked in this case, because it was from a wedding registry, for something that was, I mean, way more than we'd ever spend ourselves. And it was still, I think, barely over $100, which these days, that's actually not that much for a decent chef's knife. And yet it's this tool that we're able to use all day long, every day, for an activity that we highly value and end up spending a lot of time around. So there's three off the top of my head. How about you while Let's I think of some more? And I was going to say that the rest of the nice things you have are kids' toys, Ed. <laughs> and I really um, support those choices, Susie. <laughs> I was trying to do a scan of 
what are the things that I both like the most and uh, are relevant to the story that I'm living in right now. And it would be, I got as a gift a great uh, belt knife. But it came in a, you know, it had like, it came in a throwaway sheath. It's the Bradford Guardian G3, everybody. Fantastic knife. Expensive knife. It's like a $160 knife. So more than the thing I use in my kitchen all the time. Exactly. Uh, But, you know, Bradford is a pretty revered knife company. And they do make all this like, okay, now you have your knife. Like, we're going to get you. It's not we're going to get you. It's like, you will surely notice that we have lots of other cool sheaths and ways to carry it. Uh, But to go, my favorite thing to put on every day is I hate having knives in my pockets. And I have never really liked a folding knife. Uh, But having a small, subtle belt knife, I like it for a lot of reasons. And what I was going to say, things that I like is I bought, it was like a $40 Kydex sheath for it and a clip that makes it easy to wear. And I go, I love wearing a belt knife for so many reasons, mostly because it feels in line uh, like with a trajectory to the kind of life where you need a tool more often, which is the kind of life that I would like to be in. And to go, yeah, it's, I have a half dozen pocket knives, some which I found in parking lots and, and used for a year, like lying around, and I could tell that story. Or I could go like, I love using this all the time. And I love that uh, it breaks a unique cultural taboo slightly, which is even though the blade is no longer and it's even smaller than many folding knives, it has a little bit of a statement of competency or power that I think makes some people squeamish. Mm. You just don't really like seeing a belt knife on a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most, and you can't see it most of the time because it like, if you wear your shirt untucked, it covers the belt knife. But it's sweet. I love putting it on. It's like, oh man. Going out the door, I'm like, there are my credit cards. That's lame. Here are the keys to my janky CRV, whatever. <laughs> oh, here, time to clip on the knife. Oh, man, I am ready. 12-year-old you is so happy, too. Uh, the, I would say that uh, the bikes that I own, both my mountain bike and my road bike, are way nicer than the bike that I would have bought at the time had I not decided to do it in concert with Jesus and to listen to the ways that he was challenging my default story, and it might go a different way for a different person, but I would love to. I love the way of frugality. But that's not an uncorrupted story. Like, I love it because it also looks good. And it also makes me seem like a virtuous person. And it's also safe. And it's also safe in a way that being like, uh, I ride a sweet road bike first for, you know, I've had it for five years now. and But ditto to be like, I think you would be, a person would be really interested when you walk in my garage the first thing you would notice is that it's never, ever, ever organized. Uh, and then I can't let go of, like, scrap wood. I've just, like, been trying to get over my hoarding habit of, like, fasteners and whatnot. But you would notice so slippery slope. very ordinary tools, very ordinary, mm-hmm. you know, like, bins of soccer balls and camp gear. And then it would be like, yo, whose bikes That's are those? That's a really nice bike. Uh, and I would be like, oh, oh. let me tell you the story, because the story is not... Well, I wanted one, so I got a second job, and I worked hard, and I deserve it. It's like uh, I was grappling with 
shame, being seen, uh, the love of the father, et cetera, et cetera. And I ended up on those things. And let me tell you why. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually just a couple months ago. We were up in uh, a different a different town here in Colorado to pick up a bed frame for our eldest daughter. And the home of the people we were picking up from, the guy is a, a craftsman and he had just finished some project and wanted to show me and in his garage. I mean, he literally has like a massive welding workbench in addition to his wall length workbench made out of wood with all sorts of tools. And we got in the car and Susie looked at me and she's like, that was just amazing. Like his, his skill with his hands and like, oh, could you do something like that? Would you like to build us another mm, thing or like another bed frame? Because I built the crappy one that we currently use. I looked at her, I was like, Suze, at this point, I think we just need to admit that like, that's not who I am. I have enough tools for some around the house projects, but mostly like I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not able to pretend anymore that like I have that skill set because I just hardcore don't. And I'm not going to get the things to get me there or pretend like I have the skill to get me there. I am open to that being something that the father invites me into, but then I would take a very different route than pretending like I know everything and I would want to learn and study. And that's where I think about stuff like, um, one of the other nice things in my world is nice bottles of whiskey. And I think about like when I'm enjoying a drink every now and then, um, it's it's actually like some really decent stuff. Like if I'm going to spend money in that direction. But the opposite's also true. Like I love really, really cheap beer for a grill, for hanging out with friends. And it, like there's a, things are meant to fit the moment, not the moment fit the thing. And they're meant to serve us, not the other way around. And so if you've been listening long enough, you know that I do have a bit of like the redneck um, in me that just I'm loves, <laughs> I just I love things like that. But just aware of like, as you were listening, the thing that you might be drawn towards or the thing that you probably should chase after is the thing that has like a lot of weight and story to it. And it might be like the road bike. It might be the chef's knife. It might be the belt knife. It might be the hiking boots, but it might not be. It might be offloading some things that you're like, I, I like presenting a certain version of myself to the world. Um, we actually got an email from a guy who just sold like the nicest truck he's ever owned as part of a, a faith leap and doesn't think he'll ever find that particular one again and had to wrestle through that. Like this is very wrapped up in who I am and how I present myself. And there's a piece of is there more good coming when I walk away from this thing? And you're like, oh, yeah, these are really good questions to ask. It's so good. Parting thoughts. My parting thought is to repeat the, the thesis that <laughs> I almost want, it, the thesis includes uh, a consequence, which is stop judging people, everyone. Uh, <laughs> Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And by everyone, I mean Blaine. Oh, uh, yeah, right. And going, stuff is a story. You have no idea what the story is until you know what the story is. Yes, and, maybe more like be curious. Yeah, that's true for your own life. The excavation of my story has reached a point where now it's beginning to include 
uh, oh dear, the house that I live in and the things that I own. And it goes, all of these things play a part in that story. What part are they playing? And if that story is not true anymore, what happens to these things? And they go, uh, there is a way to have a good relationship with stuff, but it actually begins with a good understanding of your story and what God is inviting you into in any given season. And the attempt to follow any principle or live anyone else's story will not take you in good directions. 